Do you know what a community health worker is or what they do? Simply put, a community health worker connects people to resources and education they might not typically get in a primary care setting. Stay tuned to this episode of The One in Five to find out what happens when a community health worker goes the extra mile to start addressing her patient's lack of access to fresh vegetables and establishes a community garden. Hey y'all, welcome to The One in Five, the show for those who want to know how to be healthy, how to stay healthy, and how to promote health in your community. I'm your host, Adam Renshaw, and in today's show, we have Tiffany Klein, and we're going to be talking about the relationship between a community garden and health. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks for joining me. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. How was the drive? It was just fine. A little bit, little bit rainy, but good. Awesome. We've been getting a lot of rain lately, huh? It's been really nice. It's funny because we're going to be talking about a community garden and rain. I bet the rain has been really good for your garden, huh? It truly has been. Haven't had to do too much outside watering yet. Awesome. Well, hey, why don't you start by uh, just telling me a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what is it that you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm Tiffany, and I, um, I'm a community health worker, um, but outside of that, I am a mom and a sister, and I like to play sports and volunteer. And what kind of sports? I play football and softball. Oh, do you do the... Um cancer for it's to raise yes. money for cancer yep, we sure do we what's it play, called again um powder puff thank yeah. you um we're trying to lean towards calling it women's flag football it's a little bit okay. better sounding i suppose okay. um but yeah i've been a part of our uh mile city flag football team for about five years now nice yeah that's awesome so you play sports, you are a mom. Sorry, I interrupted you. Keep going. <laughs> totally okay. Yeah. Um, and and I cook a lot, and I used to read a lot, and I'm trying to get back into it. Okay. Um, and I'm kind of the crazy plant lady. Okay. Yeah. What do you like to read? I like to read fantasy novels. Okay. Actually. Yeah. I think we're talking the same language. What kind of fantasy novels? I do you like, like to read a kind of dystopian fantasy novels. Okay, yeah. give me an example. Um, one of the last ones that I read was actually I reread Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow. Okay. Yep, those were good. I read Ender's Game. Yeah. I I was truly surprised. I'm not going to give anything away, right. obviously, for anyone who wants to go read Ender's Game, but I had no idea going into it. Uh, what it was going to be about and i was shocked absolutely it was a massive twist for me and i thought what a cool story and so then i read speaker for the dead afterwards did you read that one no I that's yet. the second one and i gotta tell you i think speaker for the dead is even it's a better book than ender's game all right i'm gonna put it on my list it's a really good book yeah cool well thank you for sharing i love fantasy too yeah. um me and my son right now are reading the Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. It's, I, I mean, I can't even tell you what it's about. It's so in-depth. But the first book's called The Way of Kings. 
And the second book is called Words of Radiance, and we, we're on Oathbringer right now. So Sounds like a good one. Oh, they're so good. There's four out right now. Uh, the fifth should release next year. So highly recommended if you're into fantasy. Sounds good. Cool. Well, hey, thanks for telling us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you said you're a CHW. Tell me what that is and what that what does that mean? Yeah, so CHW stands for Community Health Worker. And a Community Health Worker is um, a fairly new model to Montana, but they've been around the United States for many years, many decades. And a Community Health Worker exists in health clinics, in social services areas, and they connect people to resources, education, and access access to better health um, than they can get in a primary care setting. Okay. Do you work in the clinic then, or is it like an outside of the clinic type of a job? What's really cool about One Health is we have both in-clinic and community um, CHWs. Our in-clinic community health workers are called our patient resource specialists. I was previously in-clinic as a patient resource specialist for about a year and a half, and I gained really good inside knowledge of how our clinic setting works and how it functions. And then I transitioned into the community role of being a community health worker. And now I focus on outreach and bringing people to us and connecting okay. with our community members, not just our patients. Nice, nice. Is is there a different name for the ones that are in the clinic versus the ones that are in the community? Yep, patient resource specialist is the in clinic. Okay, one. I think and you then, said that, didn't yeah, you? Gotcha. That's all right. Thank you. Um, so... Functionally, like, how does it work? Like, how do you connect resources? Do you have any, like, stories of, like, things that you've done that have uh, made that connection between the clinic and the community? Yeah, so uh, we do what's called a screener. Um, it's a prepare screener, a big wordy protocol for responding to. P-R-A, mm-hmm. P-A-R-E, yes. not P-R-E, right? Correct. Okay. Um, And we do this screener that basically goes over demographic income, education, and then basic needs information to find out where we can connect people with um, some items. And through the course of doing one of those screeners, uh, one of my very first patients found out she wasn't sleeping well, she was having a lot of chronic pain, and she needed access to a bed, but not any kind of bed. She wanted access to a hospital bed um, so she could get up and down a lot better. Um, She was afraid she was going to be looking at moving into a home and she was in her late 50s, early 60s. Um, So through that, we reached out to our community partners and some um, different medical uh, facilities, I suppose, and they connected us with Lincare, and we had um, an electric hospital bed delivered to her house. Wow. Probably six days later. Yeah. So it sounds like, and we're going to talk a little bit about this later. What a great story. I mean, first of all, like, It's helping people, yeah, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it's being there and it's, it's uh, figuring out needs and then it's addressing needs. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you think that's a good way to put it? Is that a good way to maybe say that? It really is. And it's digging deeper than the surface of how are you doing today? 
how are how's your house feel how how is your finance situation it's sitting down and having someone get comfortable with you and open up and say you know i'm really stressed out and and i don't know Mm. how i'm going to do this or i don't know how this is going in my life well let me let me go do some detective work and let's set you up and see what we can help you with okay how did you get into healthcare? You didn't, we didn't touch on that. Tell me how you got into, I mean, what did you do before? Have you been in healthcare for, for a long period of time? Or are you I haven't actually. Um, previously, I was in the financial industry. I started in insurance of all places as a customer service rep. And then I was an insurance producer off and on for about nine years. Um, and I worked customer service for financial planning right before I came over to healthcare. Um, it was great. I learned the ins and outs, excuse me, of, um, paperwork of documentation and which is so valuable when it comes to healthcare. Um, but when it came to being on the insurance producer side of things, I felt really pushy. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and I didn't feel like I had a whole lot of heart in it. Um, I, it felt kind of gross and wrong. Sure. Yeah. Um, Especially when I salesy. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. When I worked for a Medicare supplement company, actually, um, they didn't care about the needs of the elderly that we were trying to set up with their insurance plans. They just wanted numbers on their sheet and they wanted insurance commissions. That didn't feel right and it felt wrong. That's tough, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to sell something that you don't believe in. Believe in. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You just seem like a kind of a sleaze ball, maybe. Huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... So what's the, how did you get hooked up with, with this CHW job? I mean, like, how did that come about? Being a community health worker in a community position has kind of always been my dream job. Um, just knowing about One Health and Mile City, all the things they're connected with, the fact that they're connected with public health and having friends who have worked in different areas of One Health. Um, I'd always admired them and I was just looking through board on job service one day and and it popped up and I thought oh my gosh nope that's it that's it it was called the community health advocate at that time okay a chaw yes the good old chaw um and I had never done anything in the healthcare field before I'd never done anything social services before but I knew I could do it uh so so I applied and I don't remember my interview. <laughs> I, I think I blacked out. <laughs> and I think I might have shed a couple tears, too, oh, um, in the middle of it. And surprisingly, here I am almost two years later. Two years, huh? Yeah. It'll Sweet. be two years in October, so s- closer to a year and a half still. But yeah. Super cool. Yeah. When I first got started here, it was actually um, as a, a certified application counselor. Okay. I'm um, signing people up for insurance. So that's actually how I got into healthcare through healthcare.gov, right? Yeah. So, and then slowly my position has morphed over the years. But yeah, I didn't love that piece of it. I, I love the idea of helping people. Right. Right. And, and helping. It was, I mean, if you think about it, a CAC is actually sort of someone who connects someone with resources. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of pre- PRS, huh? 
And don't our PRSs do that now? Yeah. Isn't that a part of their position? It is, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, we have uh, CAC. So in addition to just being a PRS and a CHW, we have so many certifications we go through. We've estimated the full training hours for our position is over 200 hours of certifications. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's a very long learning curve. And so we do have... Uh, PRS, who is a certified CAC here in Hardin, and then um, I myself am a navigator grantee, so it's a step above a CAC. Um, There's seven of us in the state, and we connect people to health insurance in an unbiased and impartial way, and we provide more education so that they can make the right choice for themselves and never push on anything that they're not comfortable with and that we know they can't afford. Sure, sure. So now, as a CHW... You got this sort of harebrained idea. You're like, we should do a garden. Sure did. So tell me about (laughs) this. Uh, So it was actually in the middle of winter, and I was sitting at my kitchen table. I had had three really hard patients in a row come in, and all of them were nutrition and food insecure. And... We have a few programs in and around Mile City that can help with those things, but our food bank is income contingent. Um, They have generous income guidelines, but you still have to follow them. And they didn't qualify for SNAP because of the same reasons. Um, We did have a grant through the Montana No Kid Hungry Project that just ended this month where children in the home could qualify for food vouchers through our local grocery store to help supplement when they um, identified as nutrition insecure. But these three patients in a row didn't meet any of that criteria. No, no, it was terrible. Um, One of them was a teacher and she was struggling so hard. Um, And one of them was this amazing, amazing, just a wonderful woman who had lost a partner of 20 years and didn't know what to do. And she was an uncontrolled diabetic. Um, and then <clears throat> super sweet, super sweet, funny guy who never, um, let anything get to him. He, uh, um, pretty medically frail and he lost like nine pounds in a month. And we asked him what's going on, and and he couldn't eat. He got denied for SNAP, and he had zero income, didn't know what to do. Um, So short of going and buying all of them groceries, (laughs) um, we had to find something that was sustainable for him. So sat in my kitchen one night and watering my plants and looking at them, and I thought... Why can't we garden? Why, why, why can't we grow food for for all of our patients and and supplement? Um, so I brought it to the clinic a few days later and thought, okay, this is crazy, but you guys know I'm kind of crazy. So what do you think? And they all loved it and they got behind it right away. Um, so over a few months of planning and doing homework and research turns out it's it's a thing and people do it um and and they use a social prescription so it's it's a non-medical means of helping people improve their health and it kicked off okay (laughs) yeah so this is super interesting um just 
I, I don't think you've ever told me that story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> about how, what, like, what led to the thought process uh, going into this. So it's kind of necessity is the mother of invention, right? You're sitting there at sort of your wits end and you're like, there's a need here. What can we do to meet this need that's sort of like out of the box type thinking, right? Short of you going and buying every one of these people groceries, right? right? Um, so that, I mean, that's super awesome. Uh, what do you grow? Like we are growing so many vegetables. So our first season, we took it pretty easy, typical tomatoes, peppers, squash. Um, a lot of our things didn't quite make it our first year. Um, this year we are growing four different types of tomatoes, only one type of pepper this year, which is fine. Um, squash, zucchini, watermelon, Oh. Eggplant. <laughs> Any greens like um, spinach yeah, we, or kale? Or? We, we have both spinach and kale. Two different kinds of lettuce. Um, we've got like a little salad mix. Um, and then a longer leafy mix, which we're actually going to harvest this week, which is so exciting. Nice. Uh, peas, green beans, carrots, onions. I'm missing a couple things in there. We I heard onions are hard. Don't I you have to like... I don't think they're hard at all. Okay. They're growing wonderful. Radishes, though, I can't, I, this is my second year trying radishes. They're not doing anything. Yep, so I pulled them. <laughs> we, we got radishes in our in our little garden in our backyard. Yeah. Uh, my, my daughter pulled some the other day. They're, they're tiny. Yeah. I think she might have pulled them prematurely. Is that what you were getting? Was that? Yeah, just little tiny ones, and they flowered up on the end. They blossomed up on the end, and so they weren't going to grow anymore in their okay. roots, and I just pulled them. Okay. Yeah. They were delicious. The you ate them? We, okay. Yeah, I tried one and it was spicy and it's so See, good. that's what we yeah. had too. Ours was so peppery. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm not used to this kind of radish. Right. <laughs> we get these fat ones from my pastor. I don't know what they're called. They're a certain variety and he's, he's super into this. Um, and I mean, they're like, he'll get some that are this big and I'm, I'm making a hand gesture for all of our listeners. Sorry that you can't see this, but it, it's, it's about the size of like a, golf ball tennis ball um in between there um and they're kind of like hollow in the middle too which is sort of a, a real trip so when you cut them you get this whole layer on the outside but they're not as spicy which i really like yeah uh, but they and look i've never been a radish guy like it's almost like an onion to me like i love cooked onions mm -hmm. i can't do raw onions like and so radishes have always seemed really similar to that with me but my wife loves them and so every time she makes a salad now she'll, she'll cut up these radishes and put them in so they kind of grown on me a little bit which there are worse things that could grow on you right that's true <laughs> like um chocolate right or uh cereal <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so actually and that 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 makes me think of something so there's a need and going back to what you were saying earlier, you wanted to address this need. I, I just want to say I think it's really cool, and and maybe you can delve a little bit into this and talk to talk to me a little bit about this. Sometimes when we meet the need, we do what's easy, right? And so we'll go to a, a grocery store and maybe buy some bread and some peanut butter and some jelly or a box of cereal, or what I'm getting at is for an, 
Did you say this guy was an uncontrolled diabetic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was. She yeah, was. Female. Okay, this female was. That's not the best stuff to be buying an uncontrolled diabetic, is it? No, not at all. What's good for someone like that? Is what you're growing good? For it is. Okay. It's low glycemic index foods. And and there's a huge stigma when it comes to being food insecure and moving away from talking about food insecurity. It feels better and people find more value in talking about nutrition security. So you can have someone who has, you know, metabolic syndrome, um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetic, obese, there are quite a few people who identify as any one of those, um, and they might not be food insecure, but they are nutrition insecure. Gotcha. That's a good distinction. It's it's a very important distinction to make. Um, it doesn't matter at certain points that you're putting any kind of food in your body. It matters what you're putting in your body. And there's so many people that don't know how to eat nutritionist nutrition filled foods they don't think they can afford it um and the benefit of having something that's processed and full of additives it's what they can afford it's what they know and it's hurting their health in so many more ways sure so do you with this is there a component where you like teach people how to how to cook these vegetables or how to eat these vegetables, how to prepare them in a, in a way that's going to be good. Like there's certain things that are self-explanatory, right? Like I can put spinach and kale in a bowl and some croutons and some salad dressing. Right. And I can eat spinach and kale like that simply. Right. There's obviously a, a ton of other ways to do it. Right. I could even cut up a tomato and throw a little salt on it. Not the most healthiest piece, especially if you're struggling with high blood pressure or something, right? And eat a tomato because I like the way they taste. Mm -hmm. Watermelon, that's a no-brainer, right? right? You can just pop open a watermelon and eat it. But is there an educational component where you guys are teaching people how to how to eat these vegetables? There absolutely is. So our first year, we just grew and, and handed out our food and, and it, it was just, it was there. So it was, kind of still just supplying people and not meeting their need and this year we've grown and changed our outlook on it so we do um education pieces when we have our garden meetings we were lucky enough this year to expand and partner with the um, extension office in custer county to help us with the benefits of planting and all of that part and when it comes time to harvest their uh, nutrition agent is going to teach us how to preserve our foods, how to make them last, um, different ways to prepare them and the benefits of doing it. So it's not just going to be fresh veggies while we're harvesting throughout the summer. It's going to be having them either canned or not everyone likes to can. Not everyone everyone has the, the equipment and the capability to can. So there's other ways to do it and you can dehydrate, you can flash freeze. And, and that's going to be a huge component of how to make your harvest last throughout your winter months. Um, and we have little education sheets in and around our garden, um, that have the nutritional benefits of it. Um, and we're going to add different ways that you can, can prepare them. 
Awesome. Yeah. I, I like that you brought that up because, you know, the, here in Montana, we have a pretty specific growing season, right? There's certain <laughs> times of year, certain months where we're not out, you know, outside at least, right? Is, Very much. Is, is there a lot of winter uh, growing going on maybe indoors or is that just way too complicated? I don't think it's complicated. I had a greenhouse in my office for three months this year, um, <laughs> starting everything. <laughs> okay. Um, when did you start? What month did you start? We started planting in March, actually. Okay. Um, and but still not January, right? Not this season, oh, but next. Oh, check season. it out! Yeah, Here she goes. Yeah. She's like, I'm gonna do it. Um, so next season, uh, we absolutely can. There are cool weather crops that do better um, that you can plant before um, a frost and season ends or um, again in the fall for fall harvests and then like carrots they actually get sweeter after your first frost and you can leave them in the ground and onions um, you harvest all the way in the fall time Um, broccoli and cauliflower you don't grow in the heat because they don't do well so you can grow those in the fall Um, and we're doing experiments in container gardening to see which things grow in big areas which things grow in small areas so our patients and our community members who don't have a big old garden space plot or don't have the big planters that we have you can grow in a one dollar gallon container here and look at what you can still have Mm. or if you have the right lighting um or just a will and a way you you can grow in your kitchen all year round okay so we're going to awesome what is the lighting super complicated it's actually not um you do need to have bright light for set amount of hours. Um, I've got a grow light set up, um, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can buy light bulbs that emit the right frequencies and okay. amount of light that you can just put on a lamp and it can help do the same thing. So it sounds like you've... So have you ever done this before? When you had the idea, was this something that was like, you're like, I'm already doing this. No. <laughs> no. Um, I had failed at in-ground gardens, um, and I'd given up, and in-ground gardening still isn't my strong suit. Um, but houseplants, I had gotten really, really into houseplants in COVID, as so many people did. I didn't know I had a green thumb until I did. Um, and I didn't know the first thing about actually gardening and having it be successful. And I jumped in and said, okay, well, we're going to be an expert. <laughs> awesome. So tell me this. How many, how many of your patients uh, participate in this? What's what's that look like? We've got about a dozen this year, which is amazing for a first year of adding education components and having them actively be involved. Because you're in year two, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, we are. Yep. So we have about a dozen that come help. Um, and we, on our Facebook page, we created a Facebook page for it this year. Um, we have around 75 community members that pop oh, wow. in and pay attention to it too. So you have 12 that come. Um, and are they the only ones that uh, partake of the yield or can anybody come and, and anyone 
anyone. Okay. We're not we're not gatekeeping our resources, and that and that's part of the reason why we started the garden. Right, is because of the resources that are available don't apply to everyone. So any one of our patients can come and have some of our yield. And if you want to come harvest with us at a time that we already are. Or if you are in our waiting room and we have our harvest out and on a table like we did last year, that's perfectly okay too. Awesome. So in other words, like if I was thinking to myself, hmm, I've got some chicken breast that I'm going to go cook up, but I need something other than protein. I probably need a vegetable and my fridge is bare. I could say... I'm going to run down to the community garden real quick and pick some vegetables. If it's time, I mean, is that is that a scenario that could potentially take place or is it a little different than that? I hadn't really thought about it that way. Okay, you're thinking, see, I'm a real reactionary yeah. dude, right? <laughs> and so it sounds like you're a real uh, prepared yeah. person, P-E. P R E prepared, right? Right. So, so talk to me about that just a little bit. Is that something that hypothetically could take place, or is are you trying to avoid that? Hypothetically, it could. Um, I think that our community members um, enough. It, it could happen that a patient could come by and and decide that they want to harvest um, on their own. Um, I don't think that our community members as a whole would come and do that. Okay. Um, yeah, that's something that I might need to prepare for. for next well, it's year. interesting yeah. because like, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, it's good to be prepared. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, plus the other thing is like, how do I know if it's ready? Like, how do I know if I'm going to, sometimes my daughter, like we do strawberries too in the backyard and my daughter will go and pick this little tiny red strawberry. And I always think in my mind when she does that, if we just, if we let that grow a little longer, would it get bigger? Are we, you know, pre-harvesting? Are we harvesting too soon? So is there sort of an educational component that you guys have in sort of explaining like, this is what end product will look like, or this is when we're typically going to be pulling these from the ground? Yeah. So we've gathered information from Farmer's Almanac, from um, Master Gardener's Handbook, and then various educational resources. And we made print-ups and little booklets for all of our garden members, um, as well as community members who wanted them. Um, So everything that we have planted has basic information for gardening, not just at our garden, um, but for taking it home so they can do it on their own. And there's target plant dates and spots where you um, can put that you actually planted. And then it lets you know about how long it takes for them to grow in good conditions. So you know about when you're going to harvest and little garden journals. Um, So we have those for everything that we've planted as well. I'm looking at one right now, I think, and it's uh, seed depth. Sunshine needs, Mm -hmm. season, cool, frost hardy, germination time, days from sprout to harvest. Is that sort of, is this what you send home with? Yep, yep, it is. (laughs) This is great. This is great. Awesome. Um, What are your plans for the future? Expansion? Continue to do the same thing? Or what? Like getting bigger? Are you going to end up becoming a 
a big farmer, <laughs> one health farmer. <laughs> I think eventually, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, we absolutely have plans for expansion. We worked with a $200 budget our first year, period. Um, we, uh, my boyfriend and I drove around town and picked up pallets <laughs> that were um, heat treated only, not chemically treated, so they were food safe. And in my yard, we built planters out of pallets. Um, and we... Uh, funded just from clinic members uh, enough to make the garden work our first year. Um, this year we were able to expand and add partners. We had lumber donations from both ProBuild and Bloater and Lumber. We had the high school shop class um, worked on planters for us and they built us two beautiful planters their shop kids did. Um, and Cody Kelly, he's amazing. He's been in the school district for many years. He let us know if we start earlier next year he'll build us planters all the way through the year as kids finish up projects and we also have the pine hills correctional facility there and they have a shop class too they only have an outdoor space so they let us know in their warm months that they can help us build planters and we've got a different design for the ones that the pine hills people are going to do so we can fit chairs and wheelchairs under them um, so it can be more accessible for our patients who don't handle heat well so we can put those in the shade and they need to sit and garden or for any of our um, people who need extra accommodations um, adding the benefit of having the extension office partnered with us as well has been great and through that we were donated two plots from the community garden club uh, out at the hospital so now we have an in-ground space this year we've grown exponentially just in one season my goal is to have a year-round greenhouse. <laughs> awesome. Um, and I think we can do it. And and I want to move it to our other sites, too, in Montana and Wyoming. And I know there's an interest, and I know there's a need in so many more places. We have multiple sites that are in legitimate food deserts. Harden is one of them. It's a food desert here. And in our clinics in Chinook and Harlem, they are as well. And they need they need access and and the ability to do similar things. Nice. So we're going to grow and expand it in Miles City, get our footing under us, and and then we can eventually, hopefully, have One Health year-round Wonder Garden. Awesome. Wonder. You said wonder. That's O-N-E-D-E-R, yes. right? Yes, yes. <laughs> wonder. Yeah, that's what we call ourselves, huh? wonders. Yep. It's kind of a stolen i think from is it catch me if you can or no not catch it's a tom hanks movie with a band uh i can't remember what it's called but somebody somebody told me that they were called wonders um i'll let you know when we're when we're off Kay. what that was you know i had a thought just you you just like listed off a ton of different people pine hills and extension office from the mile city community has yeah. really become a community thing it truly has it, it maybe started in one health but so many community organizations and members have gotten behind this mm -hmm. is that safe to say it is i mean you just rattled off a ton of different uh, uh partners that yeah. you have in this high school and, and so that's super cool i it, 
it seems to me that it becomes more sustainable when there's more buy-in. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, The basis of being a community health worker is to integrate community, you know, and, and connect people inside and outside. And I don't think that I ever thought in my wildest days that in just our second year that this would almost be self-sustainable with people coming in and supporting our project and being behind us. Um, but that's how communities grow and, and that's how you truly make change and you turn things around is by having people care, buy in, pay attention and want to support things that are go- going to make actionable change in your community. Speaking of of change, I think my last question for you, and this is the big piece, I think, is is, and and we've kind of touched on this. So, so maybe it's we we meet again and do another podcast, and we talk about outcomes, right? So, like, how can this? What I want to see is how can this really affect the life of a patient, and. I know you could probably give me data, but maybe what we'll do is we'll just try to meet again next year or something and talk. And maybe you'll have some more stories about how a diabetic patient has brought their A1C down mm-hmm. or something like that. I, I mean, because that's sort of what I foresee this doing, right? Do you think, is that, am I on the right track with sort of what the goals are of this? I'm hoping so, yeah. Um, in in addition to helping them nutrition and, and physical health-wise, a huge part and piece of it is a, is a behavioral piece. People feel good when they garden. People feel good when they're in social situations that are not pressured upon them and there's no expectation of them and it's something healthy and it's fun. Who doesn't like getting dirty and and playing around and watching something grow? It's it's a true it's a true product of One Health's integrated health model. I think um, because you know we embody that health isn't just what your what your physical well being is inside of a doctor's office or what your behavioral treatment plan is. It's about your whole health for your whole body and and that includes how you feel too sure awesome well hey before we go tell us a little bit about this facebook group and how maybe if someone wants to get a hold of you how can they can they contact you through this facebook group absolutely can so we have a facebook group called the mile city wonder o-n-e Okay. Wonder Garden. Um, and it is open for anyone to join. We put our educational sheets on there. We have plant update sheets. Um, and we have our events when we schedule them up on there. Um, and on occasion, we share little fun garden memes that get sent to us. That Thing You Do. That's the name of the movie. Where Wonders came from. I just remembered. Tom Hanks. It's about a band. Yep. Band manager Mr. White helps a small town band achieve big time success when they release a Beatles style pop song. Pennsylvania band Wonders. O N E D E R S. Sorry. Total side note. (laughs) (laughs) Community. Squirrel. (laughs) 
If you want to get a hold of Tiffany, <laughs> you can connect with her on this Facebook group. It's facebook.com slash, do we have that? Or I can put it in the show notes for people. Um, so uh, if you're interested in connecting with her, uh, please look at that. I'll, I'll put that in the notes, uh, that, that specific Facebook address group. And Tiffany, thank you so much for coming in and talking about this. What a fascinating story. I think it's praiseworthy what you're doing. Um, and I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you so much. 